0: This is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney Insights Podcast. Well, in the last 24 hours, a number of insights have surfaced. It began with an announcement that the Disney board has voted in favor of Bob Iger extending his contract until 2026. Following that, CNBC's David Faber asked some real questions in an extended interview about what's working and what's not working at Disney. This includes selling cable networks, such as possibly ABC, putting ESPN into streaming mode, and buying Hulu from Comcast. He then defends the attendance slump at Walt Disney World, which was the headline on CNN today. Finally, Iger discusses the impact the Governor DeSantis is having on the company and why Disney has filed a lawsuit around First Amendment rights in court. Join us as we detail these many announcements and more happening around the Walt Disney Company. Make sure you also take the time to subscribe to DisneyInsights.com, which will uh, highlight and outline many of the things that we're going to be talking about today. Let's just begin with the first uh, announcement. It was sort of a domino for everything that happened afterwards. It was that Iger would extend his contract. Originally, his the agreement with the company was a two-year opportunity to do two things, right the helm of what was happening in the company, and to find a successor. Bob Iger noted he liked retirement. It was a good 11 months. But this decision will now uh, result in extending that uh, return to retirement until about 2026. He noted in his interview with David Faber, there are a number of challenges. Some are self-inflicted, some are a result of changing conditions. The two-year window they started with was putting undue pressure on everyone to respond. And I think where this really plays out is in being able to find a successor. Christine McCarthy had already uh, noted that she was stepping aside because of some family issues, whatever that may have been, who knows. But right now, there's really not a present successor. A lot of people like Josh DeMauro, I'm big on Josh, although I would have to say probably he needs to continue succeeding With the parks, and frankly, I'd like to see him try some other aspect of the company as well to give him a little bit more balance with the whole of the organization. So I, I really am glad that Iger is extending his contract. There needs to be a right fit person, and there needs to be, there needs to be even with Chapik. The idea was it would be announced, it would be known for a year, it would be announced, and he would work. Adjacent to Iger, and then he would have um, take the realm with Iger supporting behind him. That three year kind of look and feel needs to still happen. Now, Iger did note that in the in in this time frame since that announcement has happened, which was only last uh, November, late, late fall. Disney has gotten a lot done, like cost restructures, changes in organizational. Um, structures and alignment and even changes in leadership. But he said there's a lot of challenges. And furthermore, the market is is slow to cooperating with the things that need to happen to make Disney uh, successful re-emerging. So I'm really pleased. I think this is a good piece of news that Iger is extending his contract. And I don't think age matters. I think he has every ability to deliver a solid um, return Disney to a more solid performance state, uh, before moving on again. So really happy to see that happen. Now, what did happen is that there was in this conversation on CNBC with David Faber, a lot of discussions about some media issues also about Walt Disney World. We'll talk about those in a few minutes, but there's some very interesting things that he noted. Um, the first was Disney... Iger said that Disney is going to be quote unquote expansive in its thinking about the traditional TV business, leaving the door open to a possible sale of the network or cable um, uh, gl- um, pieces that they have. Quote, they may not be core to Disney, end of quote, Iger said, adding the creativity that has come from those. No, networks has been key for Disney. Now, in my opinion, if you step me back to, I remember being in downtown Orlando, listening to the radio when it was announced that Disney was buying ABC. I really didn't see at that time, it was core to Disney. So I go back to a longer perspective. I've, I've enjoyed ABC. I think ABC has contributed to some degree, but I don't think, I don't think Disney should be in, and, and this has been a long time issue with Disney. In the early, early days, Um, motion picture studios were not only producers of films and movies, they were the distributors of those, particularly as it related to um, having theaters that they owned. And that became a lawsuit in and of itself in which um, uh, motion picture studios had to uh, divest of its interest in theaters because they were kind of using those data particularly for their assets and so forth. And so I think it's been, um, and in the early days, Disney's own cartoons were distributed by the likes of Universal and United Artists. So this has been a long time thing going, but I've never thought of Disney as a good distributor nor as a good um, vehicle. Perf- I saw them as the provider. Now I have to, I have to say Disney Plus, as a streaming service allows them kind of a unique format to kind of own uh, what they do with it. But but any rate, that was kind of mentioned at the outset of this inter- interviews. And, uh, and by the way, cable subscriptions, when you think about um, getting a cable subscription, they're the lowest they have been since 1992. And I'm not so certain I didn't still have bunny ears on my TV back in 1992, if you know what bunny ears, if you are, if you go back to that long. But, um, but here's where they kind of, he kind of made his one mistake in the whole interview. It was kind of noted that that such um, sale could include local stations that they owned um, FX, National Geo and even ABC. Um, Saying that uh, creates a lot of angst among your employees. And in fact, this has made the folks at ABC very unsettled. It's Kim Godwin, who's the head of the network, had to go back and reassure the employees at ABC regarding uh, Iger's extended contract and that all would be well and emphasizing focusing on their work and on their customers, but you could see this unsettling feeling going on as a result of what Bob Iger said in this interview. I think tonight he probably regrets having said that. I don't think I would have said that. What he did say, and this was interesting because... um, a Faber really kind of nailed him. He kind of talked about, hey, you know, is Pixar not as good now that John Lasseter's gone and others and so forth. And um, Iker said, well, Pixar and its assets are actually number one in the global box office. He also noted that the the three previous Pixar assets or films in a row went towards streaming directly, and that had sent an expectation. That was not good to audiences. They they kind of kind got the idea that hey, we don't need to go to the theaters. We can just see it when it comes on Disney Plus. He also said, t- to be honest, there were some creative misses in that, um, and that turnover may have had some impact in that. But he was still um, he was still very positive about Pixar and Disney creating great content moving forward, and that and that um, that would come in time. Or would would they would see um, their moments? He said, "Quote in our zeal to grow our content, mostly for our streaming content, um, we've extended the the ability of our teams to deliver." And he gave Marvel as an example of that. You know, Marvel had never really been uh, in television other than Shield, um, with all of the all the um, the uh, series they put onto Disney Plus, which I think really served to, to um, make Disney Plus successful, they just stretched themselves. And he feels like they need to be able to f- um, come back and focus uh, with the talent they have and not overextend themselves. Um, and the same thing was kind of uh, alluded to with, uh, with respect to Star Wars. By the way, uh, Secret Invasion, I'm going to stop here and do a commercial. I, I don't get it if you are not watching Secret Invasion. Because while I'm not the biggest superhero fan, and while I don't go and back and play and replay and replay Marvel, I have seen most of the Marvel films. I've seen most of the Marvel series. I got to tell you, of the Marvel series, this is the Andor of Marvel. If you liked Andor with Star Wars, which I thought was superb, you need to be watching Secret Invasion because it has that same, the same aspect with espionage and with really creating a, um, a really suspenseful experience. Uh, you definitely need to be getting, and I'm talking to my kids as well on this, you guys need to be watching Secret Invasion. Anyway, um, so, There's that. Now, he does say Disney Plus is a growth business. It'll continue to be so. And the company is seeking actively to acquire Hulu from uh, Comcast. I loved what, um, I don't know if you remember if I had made mention of this, but in the annual shareholder meeting, somebody said, hey, in your efforts to get Hulu from Comcast, is it possible you could also acquire the rights to do Marvel in the uh, Walt Disney World parks. I I thought that would be a good good part of that uh, conversation. But he is seeking to acquire Hulu. He sees Hulu as a long-term commitment. Moreover, he sees ESPN as, he, he puts it, quote, ESPN stands tall, end of quote, with almost a guarantee of individuals watching. You just put on a sports thing, you guarantee your audience almost. And so they're very bullish on ESPN and they see themselves eventually moving to a streaming model and away from the cable model. Although he was not specifying when that would happen or the time frame would happen. He also did say that he'd be open to a strategic partner with ESPN. Um, someone else who could come to the table and bring some value or bring some asset to the experience. Um, so, so ESPN is, is not looking to go away. He looks to keep ESPN, but he does want to share it with someone else. And he, he really wants to, um, eventually get it to a streaming model. Now at the same time, there is a writer and actor. Um, boycott that is going on and that is that is messy as messy gets. And he said this, quote, it's very disturbing to me. We've talked about disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges we're facing, the recovery from COVID, which is ongoing, and it's not completely back. This is the worst time in the world to add to that disruption, Iger said. I understand any labor organization's desire to work on behalf of its members to get the most compensation and to be compensated fairly based on the value that they deliver. We managed, as an industry, to negotiate a very good deal with the Directors Guild that reflects the value that the directors contribute to this great business. We want to do the same thing with the writers, and we'd like to do the same thing with the actors. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. And they are adding to the set of challenges that this business is already facing that is, quite frankly, very uh, disruptive. Um, so that's um, and in fact, he goes on to say, quote, it will have a very, da- very damaging effect on the whole business. And unfortunately, there's huge collateral damage in the industry to people who are supportive services. And I could go on and on. It will affect the economy of different regions, even because of the sheer size of the business. It's a shame. It's really a shame. So I think he, I think he spoke um, quite clearly on his view of what's happening in terms of this writer and actor boycott. Now, he also got grilled considerably about the attendance slumps at Walt Disney World. And in fact. Um, there have been some articles that have been out there about how low the attendance was on the 4th of July uh, compared to last year and so forth. Um, he, um, I think there's an important uh, couple of things to be said for this. First of all, I was at Disneyland in 2018 on the 4th of July and attendance was very low. I anticipate when I get out to Disneyland the next couple of days, that attendance will also be low and it has been said that. There's a couple of things happening. One of which is how they have been working the uh, annual pass holder numbers and which pass holder levels are allowed to get in the parks at certain times of the years. That certainly affected the attendance back in 2018 at Disneyland. Clearly anybody who's been outside in Florida also knows that the heat is oppressive. There has been a slump in the in the number of people wanting to come out during the summer months because they've come to realize the heat and humidity. And by the way, this was this was the only time you could get kids out of school, drive down here and and do a week-long vacation which was the model 30, 40, um, 50 years ago. But the model now is not driving down, which is usually two or three you know, days each way. Um, and it's and it's not the model because people can get on an airline, be here within two to three hours and be able to do a long weekend and then and then leave. This has been a model that has been just coming and taking its place. So am I surprised that the numbers are down. No, I said this a number of months ago, and I've seen it play out. As I've been in the parks, was in, I was in, um, I was in uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom uh, just the end of last week, and um, and then a few days before that was at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and this evening I was over at uh, uh, Port Orleans Riverside. I could tell you from the moment I pulled into the parking lot and saw the number of people parking there to the number of people waiting at the bus station to the number of people, particularly in boat rides and in the the main um, food hall, huge low levels of attendance. And I'm there all the time because my kid loves to go see the horse carriage driving in and out. And so we have been there all times of years and it is down. It is down even from a year ago. He speaks of this. First of all, on the big picture, he says, look, investments over the years, like Shanghai, Disney, have been paying off. In fact, they are supporting the company in major ways with, with some of the soft traffic into the movie theaters. Um, he um, uh, noted that um, Florida had opened earlier than other states for travel um, out of COVID. And so right now, which meant that there were a lot more people last year coming to Walt Disney World, um, and that those numbers have come down, and, and that there's more competition now for where people can go for probably cooler places. Although if you look at the weather map, you wonder if anything's well, he did note that tracking um, hotel tax revenue the counties are um, the counties uh, across the state of Florida are down and competitors are across the board discounting I I'm, I am happy to say that the CNN article um, noted that it was not just Walt Disney World but also Universal that was in a slump uh, they noted a couple of, um, of, uh, groups such as mouse savers and touring plans, touring plans showed some numbers. Those numbers are reduced, but, but that's to be expected. I, I have to say, um, if you've just been reading the tea leaves all along, you knew that this was going to be a low summer and it didn't help. They should have had the core of Epcot ready open. People would have loved to have cooled off with, um, the Moana attraction, not that that would be a driver of somebody coming, but it would have been just another little thing that would have added, I mean, right now they still hold in Epcot until all of that gets done. And so it's, um. It's, none of this is, um, uh, uh, Pete Werner talks a little bit about how people are moving toward the cruise lines. I have to say the cruise lines are taking a portion of the business. Hey, you know, it, me to Alaska. If you haven't heard the last two podcasts, I talked a lot about that and it was nice to be cooled down during that period. Um, he did t- say though, and I don't agree with this, the bloom is off the rose with Walt Disney World, even among hardcore fans. It's just too expensive. Well, it is expensive, but I, I wouldn't say the bloom is off the rose. And in fact, going back to Bob Iger's comments, He believes that Disney World is, quote, where the Disney brand lives in its most sublime form, end of quote. And, you know, he sees the issue as a short-term issue, not a long-term issue. He did say pricing is not an issue, though he has also talked about how prices had become too high and and it had become a little too complicated going to Disney. So they're addressing some of that. Um, But I think... uh, so if, yeah, attendance is down. There's no question. I'm just surprised that it became a headline article for CNN because it's like, uh, again, you could, anybody in this business could see that those numbers were gonna be down this summer. And uh, we'll see what happens as it goes. Right now, from what I sense, fall traffic will also be down and possibly spring traffic will be down. It is not helping that Disney does not have major attractions coming in in the months to come. they He did note that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was a positive investment to the parks and resorts, but in my view, they need much, much more, not just um, Tiana's Bayou Adventure coming in. They need a lot more um, on the table, on its way coming in. Now, what he did say, but he did say a couple of things also about Walt Disney World. First, he was asked about the Neo-Nazi Demonstration a couple of months ago, which if you're not familiar with Disney, there are there is um, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six entrances into Walt Disney World. Most of those are freeway-like entrances. There's only one that is. Um, did I count that one, two, three, four, five? Say yeah. Um, There is one that comes off of 535 and goes directly in um, to toward Disney Springs, but it's still another half mile before you reach Disney Springs, goes through Hotel Boulevard where some third party hotels are in the Lake Buena Vista area, Lake Buena Vista district. Um, That's where people go to protest. They're not anywhere near a park. If you're not aware, they're never near a park. They are just on the outskirts, and a small fraction of people actually go to the parks via that road um, every day. Notwithstanding, I happened to go by it. I thought it was awful. He said, quote, it was horrifying, quite frankly, and it's concerning to me that anyone would encourage a level of intolerance or even hate that frankly could even become dangerous action. End of quote. Now, when he says, when Iger says anyone would encourage, who is anyone? Well, he was also asked about Governor DeSantis. Now, there was a couple of things he noted about that, which was interesting. First off, he said he did not think that DeSantis's words were what was bringing down the attendance at Walt Disney World. He did not see that as the problem. But he did say that the attacks on Disney were preposterous and inaccurate. And in fact, the governor has been aligning Disney with sexualized content for children, which again, he says is preposterous and inaccurate. He says the company was within its right, um, though maybe not handled well, to give its opinion on a particular matter, on a particular political issue. Um, And for that reason, the lawsuit seeks to address their First Amendment rights. The company, he said, does not want to draw itself into any culture wars. But again, you know, this idea of Nazis standing in front of the park, the idea that the governor is continually making these kinds of statements belittling Disney is, is not in the least bit helpful for anything that goes on to, to improve the economy or to improve, um, the guest experience for those intending to come to Florida. Well, that's kind of a picture of what's been said and what's been talked about over the last 24 hours. I wanted to give you those, um, insights as we talked about the different points and let you know that um, that's what we do. We keep providing Disney insights on what is happening um, to the park experience, not only at Walt Disney World, but throughout the, uh, the entire Disney experience. That is going to bring us next to Disneyland. And we look forward to providing you some podcasts in the next week or so from the Disneyland Resort. We're excited about that. And so stay tuned, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast and uh, make sure that um, you check out DisneyInsights.com. Again, thank you for joining us. In the words of Sinbad storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.